Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah most gracious most merciful when life begins by Abu Yahya Chapter 3 the plain of judgment day both of us were walking rapidly against sorry both of us were walking rapidly again as soon as we left the boundary of the throne we encountered an extremely hot and humid atmosphere it felt that instead of the usual 90 million miles, the distance between the sun and the earth had reduced to a mere mile. There was no wind. Everyone was drenched in sweat. There was no sign of water anywhere. I was under the influence of the drink from Kauther. Otherwise, it would have, otherwise, it would have been impossible to spend even a second in this atmosphere. Otherwise, it would have been impossible to spend even a second in this atmosphere. But I could see that there were countless people in a very weary state staggering around in the same suffocating atmosphere. Their faces displayed horror and their eyes were full of fear. Their hair was covered in dust and their bodies were soaked in sweat. Dirt was all over them. Their feet were blister-ridden with pus oozing out of the blisters. I had never seen such a scene of despair and fear in my life before. There was disorder and disarray wherever one looked. Every person seemed concerned only for his own self. I was searching for any familiar faces. The first recognizable face that I came across was that of my teacher, Farhan Ahmed. He saw me from a distance and immediately turned away, trying to avoid I contact. I said to Saleh, stop him. Saleh, he is my teacher. I want to talk to him. But instead he stopped me from moving towards him. Then said in a remorseful voice, listen Abdullah, do not add to the humiliation of your teacher. If someone appears to you in a humiliated state over here today, that implies that he has been treated with justice. That person has been found lacking in the scales of divine justice. That is why he is in such a state. We replied with anguish. But Salih, I learned all about belief in God, focusing on the hereafter and ethical values from him. You may have, Salih replied carelessly. He continued. However, his knowledge failed to become a part of his personality. Look, God does not pass a judgment about anyone on the basis of that person's knowledge. The fundamental factors that determine the decision are his deeds, character, and personality. The role of knowledge is in reality to help lay the foundation of one's personality on a sound footing. If the personality is not set on the right foundations, all this knowledge in fact becomes harmful for that person. As a Persian poet once said, knowledge is skin deep. It is nothing but a poisonous snake. When knowledge sinks deep into your heart it becomes your best friend the same thing happened to your teacher Abdullah he was a good writer he talked well too but his character and personality did not reflect what he preached therefore in a way he was also nurture, nurturing snakes in his sleep today these snakes of knowledge have bit him hard when you see people over here today their external form will not represent what they used to project with their attire and words. 
in the previous life. Their appearance today will be a true reflection of what their inner personality was really like in the bygone life. Remember, God does not judge people on the basis of their words and external appearance. He only looks at their deeds and their personality. In particular, people with knowledge would face a tougher accountability today. Many, many excuses that would be acceptable from ordinary people on account of their lack of knowledge would not be considered as acceptable justifications coming from scholars. But he sacrificed a lot, I said in his defense. True, but he got his compensation while he was still alive. Saleh replied, he continued further, errors in knowledge may be overlooked today, however, failings in personality and deeds will lead people to the same state as your teacher is in today. Anyway, the day has, uh, has only started yet, just watch what happens till the end. I kept standing for a long time in a state of shock, I was an orphan with no one to look after me. My teacher meant everything to me, he was my mentor, he helped me in my education, arranged my marriage, and gave me a purpose in life. He was dearer to me than a real father, so I was shocked to find him in this state. I became quite oblivious to my surroundings while in this state. Around me, endless number of people were walking, running, and struggling along. Loud echoes of the roaring flames were mixed together with the shouts, cries, and wails of people. People were busy taunting each other, hurling abuses at each other, and blaming each other. Many were engaged in full-blown scuffles and fights. Around me, endless number of people were walking. Sorry. Around me, some were holding their heads in their hands, while others poured dirt on their faces. I could see people hiding their faces in shame. Others were bearing uh, disgrace. Some were banging their heads on stones. Others were beating their chest in anguish. Some were blaming themselves, while others were having a go at their mothers, fathers, wives, children, friends, or leaders, holding them responsible for their ruin. All of them had the same problems. The day of judgment had arrived and they had not prepared for it. Now they could blame others or themselves. They could mourn or be patient, but it was not possible to change anything now. Now there was only a wait, a wait for the arrival of the master of the universe following which the accountability was to begin. And the destiny of every person was uh, uh, was determined with absolute justice. However, I kept standing uh, aloof from all that was going on around me for God knows how long. Suddenly, a person nearby cried out, Ah, I was better off dead. Even the pit of grave was better than this. His screaming voice made me aware of my surroundings again. In an instant, all my memories from the start until the end were refreshed in my mind again. I turned back and looked at Saleh. He was staring at me with a blank expression on his face. He said, Abdullah, you chose to come here to the plane of judgment, leaving your allocated station behind in order to observe the happenings over here. It's, it is inevitable that you would come across more scenes like this, so you need to be mentally prepared. To save you from more shocks, I have to inform you that right now, one of your daughters, Layla, and your son, uh, Jamshid are also present on this plane of judgment. Both are in trouble. Salih, uh, Salih's words shook me to the core. I started to feel dizzy and sat down on the ground. 
holding my head in my hands. Saleh also sat down quietly next to me. Tears were uh, tears were running down my face. However, no one around me took any notice. For today, no one cared about what was happening to others. Why was this person sitting on the ground? Why was someone stood up? Why was that person lying down? Why was somebody crying? Who was yelling and wailing? Nobody cared. Today, every person was concerned only about his or her own, his or her own self. No one had the time or the inclination to stop by and inquire after me. People passed by us indifferently. After a while, I asked Salah, what is going to happen now? Obviously, the accountability will start. Only then would we know something for sure. He replied uh, bluntly. He explained further. Those people who made this day their foremost priority and led their lives preparing for it have woken up today in the fortunate position of having been declared successful beforehand. These people include those who fulfilled the requirement of true faith and morality as well as those people who strived hard in the way of their Lord. They only reaped goodness in their lives. They fulfilled the rights of fellow human beings and the obligations of their Creator. So for them, the death itself was a harbinger of relief from the trials of the previous world. They have received <coughs> divine protection since the start of this day of judgment. But everyone committed mistakes in their lives, didn't they? I asked. True, they made mistakes too. However, their good deeds cancelled out their minor sins. The tears of repentance they shed immediately after committing any significant mistakes washed those significant mistakes away. To today, all those people are under the shadow of the throne. They will only face a brief ceremonial accountability before their eternal success is declared. In contrast, those people who committed major sins that practically invalidated one's faith, like rejection of the, true, of the truth, assigning partners to God, hypocrisy, murder, fornication, rape, apostasy, dishonesty, and wealth, belonging to orphans, repeatedly ignoring the boundaries set by God, <coughs> and all other sins of similar nature, will be sentenced to hell. Saleh explained the law in detail. <coughs> But there are always the human beings who fall in between the two extremes. What will happen to them, I asked. Uh, Saleh replied, you're right. There are people who have faith in their hearts as well as some good deeds to show for themselves. But they committed many sins and did not repent. Such people will have to bear the harshness of the day of judgment as a payback of their, for their misdeeds. Only then they may have a chance of forgiveness. All those people stuck on the plane of judgment today are those people who are either major criminals destined for hell or those people who had faith but also committed many sins. So the distress they undergo today is directly related to the number of sins they have committed as well as the gravity of their sins. The ones with fewer sins will be relieved right at the start of the accountability. However, as I mentioned before, the time that has elapsed so far is equal hundreds of years of your uh, previous life. Even if these people are pardoned at the very beginning of the questioning, the centuries spent on the plane of judgment are enough to eliminate any lingering after effects of the misdeeds committed in those 50 years of life. Whereas people with a lot of sins under their belts may have to bear the hardships, sufferings, and toils of this extremely harsh environment for thousands or hundreds of thousands of years to come. I thought in my heart that sins used to seem so trivial in the previous world, 
but today they have caused so much misery. Alas, if only people had not considered their sins as trivial, if only they had developed a regular habit of repentance, if only they had re- realized the seriousness of evils like backbiting, spitefulness, wasting money, pomp, and show, slander, etc., if they had appreciated the significance of the rights of God and other people, if they had stayed away from disobedience to God and had instead followed the way of the holy prophets, they would have managed to avoid the present situation where the short-lived gratification of each sin has turned into a distress spanning centuries. I asked Saleh, does anyone know at this time if he or she will be pardoned, and if so, in what manner? Saleh replied, this is the real predicament. No one over here knows what future holds for him or if there is any hope for salvation. Only God knows. This is the reason the last prophet of God as well as other prophets and messengers were praying for the commencement of accountability. If this happens, at least the ones with true faith in their hearts will get salvation after going through the process of accountability. You are well aware that no one is able to say even a single word to help someone else, nor is that allowed today. The good news is that the Prophet's prayer has been accepted. His representative Abu Bakr, the truthful, conveyed that news to you in person. But I can see no sign of beginning of accountability. I asked Saleh with surprise. He replied, the Almighty has accepted the request, but as far as its application is concerned, he will do so in accordance with his own larger plan and wisdom. It is possible that all of the people who emerge from their graves have not reached here yet. I replied, what do you mean? Have they not managed to get here despite centuries having been elapsed? He replied, how do you think they will get here? Do you think they will use airplanes, trains, buses, cars to commute? Today everyone is rushing here on foot, the noise of Archangel. Raphael's trumpet had forced people to head in this direction. The Almighty has parted oceans and flattened mountains to allow people to get here easily, but even then, it will take them some time as they are on foot. The only exception is the righteous people who were accompanied by angels who brought them here straight away. Anyway, let's see what is happening to the people gathered here until the uncountability begins. If I remember correctly, this was the reason you came here, right? Saleh held my hand and started to walk ahead without waiting for my response. People's faces were glowing red with the heat. Wind was blowing dirt and rubbish all around. People were roaming around uh, wretchedly, or alone and in groups. I was unsuccessfully trying to find a familiar face in that crowd. Suddenly a girl appeared out of nowhere and before I could have a look at her face, she fell down in my feet and started to sob uncontrollably I looked towards Saleh uncomfortably uh, he said to the girl in a cold voice get up get up I don't want I don't I don't what was in Saleh I don't know what was in Saleh's voice I could feel a chill in my spine the girl also pulled herself up looking quite scared I now looked at her face it looked murky due to the Effects of fear, apprehension, and grief. The face and hairs were full of dirt. Her lips looked like parchment, and her horror-stricken eyes had prominent shades of fear and terror 
in them. Suddenly, an unbearable wave of anguish passed through my body. The first time I had seen that face, I had involuntarily praised its beauty. It, it had the glowing white color like a star, an eye-catching uh, profile, attractive features, rose-like lips, uh, a blue tinge to the eyes, and jet black hair. God had bestowed it with such natural beauty that it did not require any makeup or adornment. adornments. However, today this face looked completely different. The beauty of years gone by was now buried deep under layers of grief and sorrows of the judgment day. This person standing in front of me as a living picture of utter lament, horror, pain, and remorse was in fact Huma, my daughter-in-law and the wife of my eldest son Jamshid. Father, please save me. I am in a lot of pain. This place will kill me. I didn't uh, face any major problem in my life, but now it seems to me that I will not get any ease ever again. For God's sake, take pity on me. We are very close to God. Please save me. Huma stopped mid-sentence and started weeping. Where is Jamshid? I felt my heart beating in my throat as I asked him. He's around. He has also been searching for you. But this is such a big place and there are so many people that it is impossible to find anyone. He's also in a bad state. He was very angry with me. As soon as, I, as he met me, he slapped me on my face and held me responsible for his fate. I'm a bad person, father. I destroyed myself as well as my family. Please forgive me and save me. I am petrified of God's retribution. I cannot bear it. Huma was inconsolable with tears running down her cheeks. Fatherly emotions started to rise in my chest. After all, she was my daughter-in-law. But before I could say anything, Sarah spoke again with the same brutal voice. You should have thought of that in the previous world, madame. You have come to your senses today. But do you remember how you were like in the world? Maybe you don't remember. You don't remember. Let me remind you. Saleh made a gesture and suddenly a scene appeared in front of us. It was Jamshid and Huma's bedroom. I felt as if it was, if I was standing in the middle of the room along with them, able to see and hear everything as if I was really there. Jamshid, I cannot live in this country anymore. We should move to a western country, said Huma as she sat at the dressing table, brushing her shortly cut hair. Jamshid was lying on the bed watching TV. He didn't reply. Did you hear what I said, Jamshid? Yes, I heard you. My whole family lives over here. How I can leave them behind? Have you not left them behind and moved in with me? This is different. At least I go and see them once a week now. Secondly, we go on foreign trips every year anyway. So what's the point in moving abroad? No, ch no, children are growing up fast. I would like to bring them up abroad. But I want my kids to enjoy the benefit of my parents' company. I didn't get any share of my parents' goodness. At least I would want my children to be good. I want the kids to stay away from your parents, Jamshid. Even if one of the kids gets inspired by your family, his life will be ruined. The phone rang. Jamshid picked, up, picked, picked it up. Some words were said at the other end. Jamshid put the phone down after saying okay and said to Huma, 
your dad is calling us down then he replied why do you think so negatively about my parents they accepted you as their daughter-in-law just for the sake of my happiness despite the fact that they didn't approve of your ways they didn't even disapprove of your decision for us to live separately from them hold on that's not the case said Huma snappily they didn't like my ways but you were madly in love with me which forced them to give their blessings to our marriage you have enjoyed a much better life with me over here since you left them you are a business partner of my dad you deal in millions your decisions to marry me has proven to be a win-win deal for you Jamshid. you have not suffered any ill effect because of it <clears throat> i don't know why but when i hear you talk like this it reminds me of what my dad used to say he would say that the true verdict about profit and loss shall be passed on the day of judgment come on jamshid stop this useless religious talk such ideas irritate me there is no such thing as judgment day this world's system has been running like this for millions of years if you are smart powerful and wealthy you are the winner all others are losers and idiots moreover you know this judgment day talk is nothing but rubbish by the way for your kind information my dad has this assurance from his priest that he will have him spared on the day of judgment my dad donates a lot of money to him yes obviously the way we earn money by illegal profiteering violation of the law and other means prohibited in our religion we have to make it untainted somehow i know all about it your dad and shodari mukhtar are business partners in various ventures they make money by dishonest means really if you are so concerned about halal haram and dishonesty why don't you leave his business uh, i can leave the business but i can't leave you i am well aware that if i'm employed somewhere i would not be able to afford your expenditures or maintain your current standard of living alas my love for you has left me sta- stranded in the middle of nowhere in fact i belong to a family in which all that matters is whether money is earned by religiously uh, by religiously lawful means or not that's why they are living such a miserable middle class life you are lucky that you moved out with me otherwise just like your brothers you would have owned just a motorbike or a a mere 800cc car and would have died after living a pathetic life in a flat somewhere we, we all have to die one day whether we live a good life or a deprived one who knows what will happen to us in the hereafter don't worry nothing will happen to us we will enjoy a life of luxury over there too even your god will not be able to do anything against the wishes of my dad's priest Don't utter these words of blasphemy. My God, if only if only God was still with me, if I haven't reminded if I haven't remained loyal to God, then why would he remain on my side? As Jamshid said these words, his voice became heavy and his eyes became wet. However, Huma did not see the tears running down his face as all her attention was focused At the mirror, she got up after she finished her makeup and said to Jamshid, Okay, stop this uh, pointless discussion. Let's go downstairs. Dad is waiting for us. Saleh signaled again and the scene disappeared from around us. As it disappeared, any lingering hope that Huma may have had disappeared with it. 
Salih spoke again in the same brutal and deadly tone. Did you see that? Every single word that came out of your mouth was recorded. So go, madame, go and find your priest <coughs> who had the power to have you spared, the one in front of whom even God could not. Salih left the sentence incomplete, but the anger that emanated from his voice while he repeated Huma's words even shook me with its intensity. Huma turned white with fear. Before Salih could say anything else, she ran away screaming. I started to crumble inside after seeing Jamshid in that scene. Obviously, like Huma, he was also wandering in this plane, suffering all these hardships. I wondered what would I do if Jamshid came in front of me in this state. I was still thinking about this when Saleh touched me on the back and said, Come on, let's go. I do not know what was in his touch, but as soon as he touched me, the anxiety that had overtaken me became very subdued. I started to walk along with him a bit more relaxed and fresh. Around us, it was the same commotion of worried and horrified people. We had gone further only a little bit when I saw Mr. Shodali Mukhtar. He had probably seen me and was heading in my direction. Mukhtar, Mr. Mukhtar was the business partner of Jamshid's father-in-law. He was my acquaintance only in this capacity. As he came closer, he tried to embrace me. But Salah stopped him with the movement of his hand and said, Talk from distance. His tone was so harsh that he seemed like a stranger to me. Despite this insult, Mr. Mukhtar's enthusiasm didn't fade. He said, I was certain, Mr. Abdullah, that you would come looking for me. Do you remember that I had a mosque constructed and you used to pray in that mosque? In addition, I also used to help the poor. I remember, Mr. Mukhtar, I replied in a low voice. <coughs> then, please put in a word for me. Put in a word for me. I have been roaming around in misery for a long time. Whoever you see over here is only concerned for his own self. No one talks probably nor gives any advice. As he said this, he involuntarily looked at Salih. I also turned my head to look at him. He looked at me for an instance and then started to talk while staring at Mukhtar's face. You certainly had a mosque built, but it was not for the sake of God. Rather, you wanted a good name for yourself. When one donates money for the sake of God, one's head is turned down, hands are fastened, tone is low, and the heart is full of humility and fear of God. However, you were not like that. You wanted to be known by others as a pious person, so you had your wish granted during your life. Now you will have to answer how you earned all that money. And yes, it was not often that you spent money on a good cause. Why don't you tell us how you spent millions in order to get close to a famous movie star? You are guilty of fornication. You indulged in it not once but repeatedly. You fornicated with many different women. You had illicit relations with famous actresses and fashion models. Even if we leave aside how you spent your money, the way you earned the money included various prohibited and haram means. You were involved in adulteration. You hoarded supplies illegally. You sold goods at extortionist rates. The fundamental principles of your business were to steal electricity, commit fraud, and deprive employees of their rights. At the peak of your career, you formed a media group. On one of the TV channels belonging to your group, you used to show religious programs to keep the public happy. 
whereas on another one used to promote immortal sorry immoral attitudes and vulgarity in the society all in the name of art and entertainment Salah was speaking non-stop and words were flowing out of his mouth like arrows heading straight for their target it was not possible for Mr. Mukhtar to respond to these but he had nowhere to run he kept listening with his head bowed in shame the harshness in Salah's voice caused a dark expression to appear on Mr. Mukhtar's face however Salah did not stop and continued further look behind you Mr. Mukhtar your mistress is standing behind you Mr. Mukhtar turned around in haste I also looked up to see who was behind him in front of us was standing an old woman who had a face like a witch and others was an extremely strong stench and there was an extremely strong stench emanating from her body Salah touched me again which caused the smell to disappear but I could see that Mukhtar could still smell it the ugly woman moved forward towards Mr. Mukhtar calling him by his first name Mr. Mukhtar slowly started to retreat away from the woman and then without any warning started running that woman or, or witch whatever she was also started to run after him who was that woman I asked Salah after they had disappeared from sight she used to be Mr. Mukhtar's mistress she was famous in your days as an actress dancer and model her name is Chamba as Salah introduced her uh, I felt a shock I said Chamba but she used to be very pretty and people used to remember her for her beauty yes not only did they talk about her she was their ideal personality as well just see how that ideal personality of people of people now looks like the woman used to spread vulgarity in the society with her explosive and revealing dances God has decided that she will be imposed as a punishment in hell on on those very people on whose heart she used to rule on said Salih laughingly I thought in my heart that lewdness and immorality had spread to its uh, highest ever level during my time television allowed the uh, television allowed these actresses to reach the drawing rooms of all homes the societies of that time had elevated women who spread vulgarity vulgarity and nudity to the highest levels of respect and interest for the owners of tv uh, channels and film studios these women were the cheapest and easiest way of making huge profits they filled their coffers with money by promoting their filthy dances enticing moves and revealing garments young men were madly in love with them and wanted to marry women women who looked and acted like them women used to uh, style their clothes and makeup after them it was because of them that girls of good moral character but ordinary appearance lost their true value in the society so many of these virtuous women grew old all alone while waiting for for spring to arrive in their gardens many left this world in silence hiding the scars of society's lack of appreciation within their bosoms deep under the cover of their indignant self-respect my face started to show signs of anguish Salah recognized these signs straight away he held my hand and started to walk in one direction he stopped after some time and said to me to me God has made some arrangements to alleviate your suffering however however before I show you that it may be better if you see this scene from the world gone by 
As he said these words, a scene started to run in front of my eyes like a movie. It felt as if I was a part of this scene and was able to understand all the relevant facts without the need for any description. The morning sunlight was now flowing into the room in spite of the curtains on the windows. It was time to go to college, but uh, Shista uh, did not feel well enough to leave her warm bed and get ready on this cold winter day. It was her habit to study a little after the morning prayers before she would get ready for college, but today she had gone back to bed. She had not been feeling well since last night. No, I have to go to the college, otherwise my students will lag behind in their stu- uh, studies and I need to make breakfast for father and mother as well, she thought to herself. She then gathered all her strength and got up from the bed. She slowly walked over to her parents' room next to hers. She opened the door slowly and looked inside. They were in a deep slumber. She smiled with satisfaction. Uh, Shesta had devoted her whole life to her family. She was only a child when her father got disabled. She was the eldest amongst three sisters. Somehow her mother managed to get them all educated, earning a poultry income by sewing clothes. Uh, after completing her education, she started to teach school children and later joined the faculty at a private college. This was a time for weaving dreams and making big plans. She was not too pretty, but youth is a beauty in itself. For Shesta, however, youth was a harbinger of new responsibilities without any room for dreams and desires. She was now responsible for the household expenditures, cost of father's medical treatment, house rent, and education of her two younger siblings. Both of them were good-looking, so as they grew up, most marriage proposals went in their favor. Uh, Shesta did not erect any hurdles in the way of their happiness. She readily arranged their weddings and got them settled in their new homes. Her youth began to fade away in the process, and now she found herself alone with the sole (coughs) responsibility of looking after her aging parents. Shesta kept her faith only in God during these difficult times. She loved God immensely. This love was so intense that none of the hardships in her life managed to breathe any resentment in her. Shesta was regular in prayer and uh, fast since childhood, uh, but she became familiar with the true sweetness of God's love only after reading books of her spiritual teacher, Mr. Abdullah. It was now <coughs> the aim of her it was now the aim of her life to transfer the true essence of God's love and submission into young hearts of her pupils. She was an excellent teacher and her students respected her immensely. It was for this reason that they always listened to her attentively. She always taught them with utmost enthusiasm. For some reason, Shesta felt sad today. It may have been because of the illness, but she felt depressed. She stood in front of the mirror after breakfast to get ready for college. She looked hard at her face. She could now see signs that her youth was fading away. But a bitter smile appeared on her face as she mumbled to herself, Shesta, you lost. What did you achieve apart from loneliness? She closed her eyes. Perhaps she had accepted defeat. However, at that very moment, she started to hear echoes of the words of her teacher, Abdullah, in her ears. The one who makes a deal with God never suffers a loss. She opened her eyes with a smile and said, to herself in a sustained voice let's see we will see what happens it's not long to go uh, it's not long to go 
uh, away. The scene disappeared. I looked at Saleh and said, I don't know this girl. You will get to know her now. By the way, whatever you wrote, it had a lasting effect. Saleh replied and then started to walk in one direction. After some time, we reached a place where some stern-looking angels were standing. They looked similar to the ones we had seen under the throne, whose job was to stop ordinary people from heading in their direction. On seeing Saleh, they allowed us to pass through. After a short distance, we came across a door. Saleh opened the door and, still holding my hand, entered inside with my with me following behind. I realized straight away that the door was a gateway back to the other world as on this side there was a completely different environment compared to the exhausting atmosphere in the plane of judgment. I said spontaneously, Saleh, are we back around the tents of the prophets? He said, smiling, yes, the panacea for your grief can only be found here. We walked onwards and reached a magnificent tent. There was a very respectable looking man standing at the door with an enlightened face. He was a complete stranger to me. When we reached closer, Saleh introduced me to him. This is Abdullah. He is the follower of Muhammad, prophet of God from the last times. And this is uh, Nihwar, a very close companion of prophet Jeremiah. Nihwar, you wanted to meet him, didn't you? This was not only an introduction of the companion of a great prophet, but it, uh, it also explain to me why I was there. I forwarded my hand for a, sh- a handshake, but Nihwar hugged me enthusiastically instead. I said to him straight away, I have not had the honor of meeting Prophet Jeremiah yet, but to meet you is no less of an honor. The life of Prophet Jeremiah and the circumstances surrounding him were always great source of guidance for me. I am very keen to meet him. As I said these words, the life story of this great prophet of Israelites was running in my mind. In the 6th century BC, the Israelites were in a state of severe moral decline. Due to their moral decline, they were suffering the divine punishment of political uh, domination of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, which was a superpower of their time. Their uh, leaders however, did not address their moral weaknesses and focused instead on regaining political supremacy. Prophet Jeremiah highlighted the defects in their morals and faith and encouraged them to work on correction of their flaws instead of confronting a superpower. But his people did not listen to him. Instead, they hung him upside down in a well and then started an uprising against the rule of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the result of this was that Nebuchadnezzar descended on them like divine punishment and devastated Jerusalem. He killed 600,000 Jews and took an equal number along with him as slaves. As I was thinking about this, Nehuar replied to me, You will also meet him soon, God willing, but at the moment I want to introduce you to someone else. As he said this, he turned towards the tent and said to someone, Come out for a second, look who has come to meet you. Straight away, a girl came out from inside the tent and stood beside Nehuar. Her attire resembled that of the princess, and from her appearance and looks, she looked like a fairy. She bowed her head down and greeted me with respect. She then said to me, You don't know me, but you are like a teacher to me, and by this relation, I am your spiritual daughter. I am Shesta. I was once surrounded by dark shadows trying to lead me astray, 
but I found the light of God through religion, through your writings. You are the one who first introduced me to God. I discovered the true nature of a human being's relationship with God because of your work. And look at me now. God has bestowed me with a great honor. I am to be married to a companion of a great prophet. Saleh had shown me the images of this girl only a few moments ago, but the radical change in her condition astonished me. The pleasure I felt due to my encounter with her is difficult to describe in words. I said to Shesta, I heartedly congratulate both of you, and I hope you will invite me to your wedding. Yes, definitely. That's why I called you so I could show Nehwar that this in-laws are not ordinary people. She replied smilingly. In that case, you selected the wrong person. I replied quickly. I then turned towards Nehuar and said to him, Nehuar, how? I said to him, However, Shasta's statement is absolutely correct. Your in-laws are not ordinary, and how could they be? Shasta belongs to the nation of Prophet Muhammad. This relationship to the last prophet makes her family very important. Saleh interjected at this moment and said, This discussion about status and position can be completed at a later stage. At the moment, I have to take Abdullah back. Please excuse me. We left after saying goodbye to Nehwar and Shasta. Saleh said to me, On the way back, did this take care of your sorrow? I had just witnessed the immense blessing of God on his servants, which had left me speechless. I therefore kept quiet. Saleh continued, The girl managed to attain such a high position because of her patience. God tested Shasta by surrounding her with tough circumstances and an ordinary appearance. In spite of all the hardships, she remained steadfast and grateful to God and remained devoted to him. You have seen today that those people who were not recompensed in the previous world have become worthy of a very high reward on account of their steadfastness. I stopped walking, I looked up at the sky, saw the master of the sky in a new light, and then bowed my head down in gratitude and appreciation. Alhamdulillah. The end of chapter 3.